0: Pastor Ed Taylor speaks for a moment to those that have a same-sex attraction and are tempted in this area.
1: Those feelings that you're, you're having are real. They're, they're not inspired by God, but they're real. And they don't, those feelings don't make you a bad person. They don't make you a defective person. They simply are being revealed to you right now to show you that God loves you and he cares for you and he's revealing these things in your life. Temptation is not sin, and that applies across the board. No temptation is overtaking you for believers that's a promise and in the power of God we can say no this is a grace.
0: Maybe you're one of the many who are attracted to those of the same sex and you wonder if you were born this way is it a sin to get involved in a homosexual relationship the world will tell you it's fine and perfectly acceptable today on abounding grace we will take you to the word for answers after all the bible should guide our lives and behavior not the culture we realize this is a very sensitive issue for many And our intention is not to beat you over the head with the Bible, but rather lovingly explain what God has to say and help you in whatever way we can. Here's our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Samuel 18.
1: What is the biblical answer? Well, let's make the distinction between ceremonial law and moral law. Ceremonial laws, as I've said, are temporary. Moral laws are transcendent. Ceremonial law has passed away and is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, yet the moral law continues on without any change by Jesus. For example, number one, if the laws of homosexuality were merely ceremonial in Leviticus and therefore abolished, then so would rape, incest, bestiality, adultery, and any kind of sexual sin. They would have to go together. I don't know if you're noticing, and again, perhaps you're listening in right now, and you're involved in a homosexual relationship, but in these relationships, many of the connections are falling apart, and they're going from relationship to relationship. Why? Because of more sexual sin. There is a lack of fidelity even within. Now, what is the cause of many divorce today among married couples? A lack of fidelity in the realm of sexual sin, and the same thing is happening within. If sexual sin didn't apply to a certain class of relationship, then you would find that not only being rampant in relationships uh, in these homosexual connections, but you would also just say, "Well, they just bypass it since there's no really there's no law against it. There's no need to to worry about if you go out and be with this person and that person and that person." There's no monogamy within it. Why? Because there are lines being drawn outside of the scriptures that still apply in any type of relationship whenever trust is broken. That trust is established by God defining what trust really is. And I suggest to you that the rampant decay in our culture is an abandonment of the word of God. And if homosexuality is to be dismissed, so is rape, incest, bestiality. Because these are condemned in Leviticus chapter 18. And adultery and and lying with your uh, incest, lying with your mom, you know, lying with your father's wife and all of that, of course it's condemned. God says so. Secondly, homosexual sin among the Gentiles was condemned by God in Romans chapter 1. And they weren't given the ceremonial law the the gentiles were not the levitical law did not apply to gentiles and yet homosexuality is condemned both with to the gentiles and romans also the gentiles in first corinthians and they were never given the ceremonial law it never applied to them thirdly it was because of these sins that god brought judgment upon the canaanites and sodom and gomorrah fourthly The ceremonial laws were changed by Jesus while the moral laws, specifically against homosexuality, are repeated again in the New Testament. Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and Jude verse 7. Now, at this point, there'll be some going, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, I've seen all the research, I've done the Googling, and and, and I just believe, isn't a person born that way? You'll be surprised by my answer. My answer to you to that question is yes. Yes, a person is born that way, but not in the way that you think. He's not born that way or she's not born that way with no hope or no desire to change. The Bible says that every single one of us was born in sin. Every single one of us began living our lives with a proclivity towards sin. That it wasn't until God interrupted that at whatever age that we, you and I, began to live our lives as born again believers. So, in one sense, yes, the answer is those that are in the homosexual lifestyle have chosen that as the path of their life, were born in that. However, it's not a genetic predisposition that is unchangeable, like your identity, like you're being born a male or a female. I understand how this is tied together with uh, transvestitism and transgenderism. But listen, you are born a male and you are born a female. And even if you change your outward appearance and have surgical changes done to your body, you still take blood from your veins and test it with DNA, you will come out as a male. Why? Not because I'm a scientist or I have a degree in those things. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one, or in, Gen- in the early uh, stages of Genesis, that he, God created them male and female. The Bible says that. And so no matter what you do to wrestle with the reality of your feelings, the Bible always trumps that. It's not in our genetics. It is not something that can't be reversed or changed. As it's been said, and I quote, A person's psychosexual identity is not written unlearned in the genetic code or the hormonal system or the nervous system at birth, says Dr. John W. Money, a professor at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Masters and Johnson, two of the most widely known authorities in the field of human sexual behavior, had said it more simply, and I quote, the genetic theory of homosexuality has been generally discarded today Although in our culture, you would think just the opposite is taking place because of the type of publicity and popularity of these types of statements get in our mainstream media today. The Bible says that you and I were born in sin, all of us. That you and I were conditioned in that sin. And while homosexuality would not be an area that you may have dealt with in your life, all of us can look back and see the proclivity to sinful behavior in our life at one point or another, some kind of sin, some kind of issue. The sin of homosexuality is serious immorality, according to the Bible, and bring those that practice it under the direct judgment of God, as those in Sodom and Gomorrah experienced. According to Ezekiel chapter 16, there were many sins going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, abominations, corruption, iniquity, Pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness, committing abomination, pride, haughtiness. They all contributed to its spiritual erosion. What happens when a culture, what happens when a country has it comfort and ease? They don't look to God. They look to themselves when everything's going well. And when you look, you and I look to ourselves, we're only going to find sinful behaviors Now, 1 Samuel chapter 18 is one of those passages that some within the homosexual community, some of the more radical ones will come and and try to use 1 Samuel 18, this relationship, this friendship between Jonathan and David as some kind of biblical proof that God approves of homosexuality. And here it is in... Chapter 18. I'll draw your attention to verse 1 if you would. It was so when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, bow, and his belt. Turn over to chapter 20 with me, verse 41. Chapter 20, verse 41. This is the development of the argument in favor of homosexuality from the scriptures. It says, as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times, and they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 1. 2 Samuel chapter 1, and we'll look at one more passage of scripture that's used within this weak and false argument. It's chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, verse 26. It says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. And it's with these various scriptures that a false argument is developed to establish that the relationship and the friendship between David and Jonathan was of a homosexual nature. This relationship has been misunderstood and misused for years, and this is how the argument lines up. According to chapter 18, verse 3, Jonathan loved David. Then in chapter 18, verse 4, Jonathan stripped in David's presence. Then in chapter 20, verse 41, they kiss one another with great emotion. Then chapter 2 Samuel, chapter 1, and when their relationship is described, it's described as better than that of the love of a woman. Now, Let's walk through this together. First of all, there's no indication whatsoever anywhere in the scripture that David and Jonathan were homosexual. Never any indication, never any statement, never any hint. Quite the opposite. There was strong evidence that they are not. And I'll list them for you. Number one, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we learned that David was very attracted to Bathsheba, having sexual relations with her, marrying her, and having a child by her. In fact, by the number of wives that David had, he was clearly heterosexual in the practice of his life. Number two, David's love for Jonathan was not a sexual love. You need to read that into the text. Instead, it was a love of friendship. What we would say in the Greek, a phileo relationship, a friendship. It's extremely common in the Eastern cultures for heterosexual men to express love and affection toward one another. I experienced this for the very first time when we began taking trips to Cairo And the men were very affectionate there. They were very happy that we had come to serve them. They were very happy that we came to encourage them. And never once was their love for the team, men to men, because there was a separation. The men served the men. The women served the women. Never once at any time was there any indication that their love was nothing but brotherly, phileo, friendship, love. Thirdly, Jonathan in chapter 18 here doesn't strip himself of all of his clothes. That's not what the text says. But rather, according to verse 4, he took off his robe and gave it to David with his armor. Now, if we use the same logic that, that those would come to this text reading homosexuality into the text, then Saul, King Saul earlier, gave David his armor as well. And there's no mention, no mention of any type of ill behavior between King Saul and David at that time. Number four, the kiss that was exchanged in chapter 20 is a common cultural greeting for men and happened a, two, a full two and a half chapters after the robe and the armor re- removed. There would be some that try to put those two together like it happened at the same time. But according to the scriptures, time had obviously passed. Number five. The emotion expressed was weeping, not sexual satisfaction. They wept together knowing that their friendship would not continue because of the insanity of Jonathan's father. They would no longer be able to enjoy the type of friendship. Sixthly, when homosexuality is mentioned in the Bible, it's clearly identified and called sin, even bringing judgment from God. Let me add a seventh that just came to me as I was thinking here in our study of the scriptures. We already have seen established with Jonathan Jonathan, that he is a solid man of integrity that inspires loyalty and fidelity in the people that are close to him. We learned that, didn't we? When Jonathan is an armor bearer, his armor bearer was willing to lay his life down for what he believed Jonathan heard from the Lord in fighting a battle for the nation Of Israel. Even as we look at the interpretive facts of the text, how careful we need to be in God's love not to condemn. To read homosexual love into David and Jonathan is simply not warranted from the text. They are enjoying a deep male to male relationship and friendship. We need to be very, very careful as. We speak of such things, again, being very careful to emphasize the love of God toward those in sin and not condemnation. And personally, I'm saddened by the so-called Christian groups that show up at various places with signs of of words of hatred, um, simply saying some, some of the most vile things that I won't repeat here in our Bible study. You see, dealing with sin, any sin, it's important that we ourselves... Don't become self-righteous as if we're better than anyone else. That is often the accusation. And may we not be found guilty of such an accusation. Being clear again that I and you are no better than anyone else. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would still be in the mess that we were in. No matter what we label that, what it's titled, what the Bible calls sin, those are just the facts. And I plead with you for you and I to live with the mind of Christ and be very, very careful with anyone that God has led into our lives with any type of sin, let alone homosexuality. Now, a few more things before we leave, because I know that this Bible study will be shared. I know the link will be sent out. I know the MP3s will be downloaded. It will air on the radio. It's on the radio even now as I speak. CDs will be given out. And I believe it'll be a Bible study as it opens eyes just simply to refer to the Bible when defining your life and the behavior in your life. I'd like to deal with a few practical things. I'd like to share with you a few practical truths that I think not only will apply to some, but will equip many. So let's ask a few questions. Number one, what about homosexual temptations? or what we are now hearing described as same-sex attraction. Maybe you are tempted that way, or even in that lifestyle, or might even identify yourself because of the attractions that you have. You may even begin to identify yourself with some kind of homosexual tendencies. I'd like you, if that's you and you're ready for help, I invite you to call the church office, And allow the pastoral team here and some of the lay leaders, some of the women lay leaders, to serve you. The office number is 303-628-7200. You can call from anywhere in the country. We will accept that call and we will serve you. The Bible says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Temptation doesn't mean that you are what you're tempted to do. Temptation is not a sin. Even having emotions and feelings aren't always sinful emotions and feelings as you resist them and submit yourself to Jesus. You see, in him, there is a way of escape. And I acknowledge to you, having served many people, in this arena, that those feelings that you're, you're having are real. They're, they're not inspired by God, but they're real. And they don't, those feelings don't make you a bad person. They don't make you a defective person. They simply are being revealed to you right now to show you that God loves you and he cares for you and he's revealing these things in your life. Temptation is not sin, and that applies across the board. No temptation has overtaken you. For believers, that's a promise. And in the power of God, we can say no. Number two, what if you were molested or propositioned by a homosexual or a person of the same sex at any stage in your life, young or old? Does that mean that you're a homosexual now? No, it doesn't. You see, homosexuality is based on lies and twisted truths, The lie is, is that if you can get a man or a woman to love you, then you'll be loved. But it's the wrong kind of love. Sexual gratification of any kind does not equal genuine love. But sadly, it's often used as a cheap substitute and a quick solution to the feelings that you're having. And just because someone hurt you or took advantage of you in a weak and vulnerable time in your life does not mean that they have damaged you forever. That does not mean that you have to live under that condemnation or that guilt the rest of your life. And if it was of someone of the opposite sex, or of the same sex, I should say, that doesn't automatically make you a homosexual or a lesbian. Quite the opposite. I mean, maybe you were looking for love as a kid. Maybe you were put in a vulnerable place and you missed that valuable piece of growth in your life and your upbringing. There could be some disconnect between your parents and the dysfunction in your home that caused you to experiment, or caused you to go and try this. Or someone saw the vulnerability in your life in high school and tried to take advantage of you. You see, God wants to restore what was lost as a child. God wants to restore what was lost in your upbringing by a relationship with Him, not another person. Satan, the devil, may come and whisper, "Maybe you're gay." And God yells loudly, no, you're not. The devil is a liar, and he's not to be listened to ever, never, ever. God did not make anyone gay, and neither did your circumstances. Like any other sexual sin, it is made by a free will choice of the person participating. God didn't make anyone gay. God made you male and female, and you can walk in your God-given identity. It's just your identity as a gift from God.
0: That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, just a moment ago, you invited our listeners to call the church office if they're struggling in this area, and that number they can call is eight seven seven three zero Grace. Can you think of a resource or two that may be of some help to them as well? I know there are many believers that have this as a part of their past and have shared how they have overcome.
1: You're right, Larry. This is a very touchy topic that many pastors and many people are avoiding today because it's so culturally difficult. It's a hotbed of controversy, and even churches are changing (laughs) their theology based on the cultural pressures um but we want to we we want to be able to speak the truth in love knowing that God loves you again i know this sin get is getting a lot of attention it's a little more obvious than other sins so it gets quite a bit of attention because of that but the reality is sin is sin and God is ready to forgive God is ready to deliver God is ready for you to process your thoughts and your feelings in a way that will shed light on the reality of the current status of who you are and where you are in relation to God. And we have resources available. If you email me directly, my email address is ed at edtaylor.org. It has to be .org. ed at edtaylor.org. I have a list of resources that I can respond to that email And just help you walk through this as you take your life and you measure it by what the Bible has to say, what God's perspective is. And I know there's freedom. And again, I've mentioned while this particular sin was not a part of my past, um, I had quite a bit of things that God had to deliver me from, change my mind about, and help me to walk in the newness of life. And I know he can do that in your life as well.
0: Thanks, Ed. And friend, if this is a message you'd like to hear again or perhaps share with a friend that could use this sort of encouragement, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or access the message through our church app. Do a search for David and Jonathan. were not homosexuals. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time and production costs. And think of this, you'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. I'm sure we've all experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, and it can be a confusing time. But rather than turn bitter and angry, you can experience healing and hope. Gene Edwards looks at David, Saul, and Absalom. I know you'll be touched as you read this story. Just call 877-30-GRACE to make your request and donation today. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll finish up Pastor Ed Taylor's message. David and Jonathan were not homosexuals. Receive God's hope and encouragement and embrace His will for your life.
1: This is amazing grace.
0: Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and online at aboundinggraceradio.com.